Hello and welcome to Clappercast. This is a Carson free episode. So Carson haters rejoice. Uh, Carson is gone. Carson is dead. Carson is useless um, or he's working one of the two. Um, this is actually totally my fault because I was busy on Sunday and then Alina was busy on Monday and then um, Carson sacrificed himself, I guess, rather than watch some animated children's movies. Um, so, uh, we have me, obviously Paul, and then we also have Alina Falls. How are you, Alina? I'm well, I have had a fantastic weekend. How are you? I'm all right. Do you want to hear about it? (laughs) Uh, do I want to hear about what? (laughs) Do you want to hear about my weekend? It's wrestling related, so I didn't think you'd be interested. Um, Yeah, no, um, you have 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Last night, Monday Night Raw was in Toronto, and I went, and I had a lovely time. I went with my little sister, and our seats were like $70, and we had pretty good seats. Um, my cousin also went, but he sat in a different section. Uh, all the matches were fun, except for the women's wrestling, because women's wrestling is garbage i'm only a misogynist when it comes to professional wrestling women's wrestling garbage and most other things but mostly (laughs) wrestling that's where it's like the highest i'd say anyway the main reason i went was because my favorite guy edge he's back from retirement it was his first time back wrestling in toronto in like 12 years he main evented it was fucking sick i cried i screamed I didn't throw up, but I really thought I was going to pass out at one point. My heart was beating so fast. I was shaking like I had Parkinson's, but I had a fantastic night. And then when the lights like cut and like raw went off the air, he like took a microphone and talked about uh, how happy he was to be back in Toronto because he hadn't been there in quite a while uh, because he's from Toronto, obviously. Um... And he said that next August, he's going to retire in Toronto. So that sucks for me because now I have to save like $1,000 for ringside tickets to Edge's retirement match. And I will literally kill everybody to get a ringside seat. <laughs> so that was my weekend. That was my Monday, uh, actually. That's fun. <laughs> I um, I got to go to uh, Peter Greenaway did a retrospective and um, two lectures um peter greenaway did the film the cook the thief his wife and her lover and there was always a film that i'd wanted to see like when you go read through greenaway's other films there's one that like sticks out and i've seen a couple people actually say this that this film called drowning by numbers is like one that like you really want to watch but also is impossible to find Um, and so I got to see that and it is as fantastic as I was hoping it was going to be. But what's so weird is you watch it and you're like, oh, Wes Anderson's seen this, hasn't he? Like (laughs) there, it's so weird because like at a core, it is, um, very much a Wes. The dogs are like, yeah, fuck Wes Anderson. (laughs) Uh, at its core, it's uh, exactly um, at its core. Um, it's very interesting to see like the Wes Anderson isms, not his uh, stylistic qualities as much, but like um, in terms of his set design and everything, but more like uh, his characters, all of them just felt like Wes Anderson characters decades before Wes Anderson. 
Um, and I loved it. Um, it was super fun. It's one of the darkest films I've ever seen. I also got to see The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover again. Um, I could have seen uh, The Baby of Macon and also The Draftman's Contract. But those were starting to play at 10. And I, it was 40 minutes away from my house. And I like did the math. And I'm like, I'm going to get home at 1 a.m. on a work night. Absolutely not. So, oh God, um, exhausting. yeah, I just couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, his lectures were so weird and so fantastic. Um, I knew exactly what it was going to be like going in that he was just going to be this weird little Welshman. And it's exactly what it was. He showed us a bunch of like borderline porn films a couple times. Um, he rambled way too much to the point where he like wasn't able to do 75% of his lecture on landscapes. Um, but I loved it. It was so great because it's like I was sitting there and uh, my one of my best friends convinced me to go. And he was like, you're going to be so upset if he like passes away and you don't do this moment. And I was like, yeah, I know, but it's going to be so much work. And he's like, yeah, but you'll have always done it. And I'm like, that's true. He's like the, the you know, annoyance of a week is worth it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it's great. Um, also, uh, Peter Greenaway is a lot better director than I uh like gave him credit for, which is really unfair because I was like, oh, Cook Thief Wife Lover's great. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure all of his movies are like fantastic and we just aren't giving him credit yet. I don't know. I feel like we'll see a renaissance soon because, um, yeah, I saw clips from his other movies and I was like, all of these look so good and so weird. And why aren't they popular with film nerds? So uh, early recommendation, film nerds, go watch more Peter Greenaway. Um, you know, like go find them, especially because I think they're easier to find in everywhere but the U.S. So also we talked about cook, thief, wife, lover last year for Paul's 2021 birthday special. So you can go and listen to that plug, which is so funny about that, by the way, because, um, (laughs) I thought you guys had already seen in Bruges and that's why I didn't have that as one of the two. It would have been cook, thief (laughs) and in Bruges easy. I forgot what the other one was last year. I think I only did two last year. Uh, yeah, I did two I last year. I don't remember what the second one was. I know. Um, anyway, uh, this particular day, we're talking about some actually like fun movies. Um, and then also um, getting into only murders in the building. But first off, we'll start off with the animated films. Um part of our musical series we decided not to do disney because eventually we'll probably do a whole disney series and cutting into movies that we'll eventually rediscuss so we chose three movies that are kind of like deep cuts the first one is um don bluth's an american tale um which my entire childhood i thought an american tale and american tale five goes west were the same movie so it was very weird when I like looked it up and was going to tell you guys to watch Five Goes West. I was like, oh, that's the sequel. Um, because I just watched them both so often. I just created them into one movie. Um, and then the other two we're talking about are The Point, narrated by Ringo Starr. Um, and also Yellow Submarine. Unfortunately, Carson isn't here, but... Carson liked this one, even though he doesn't like the Beatles. Which he, no, he said he loved it. We're yes. getting to him. I know. A, it is the best Beatles movie. B, um, it's so weird. 
Um, but we'll get into it. Um, I figure because of this and just the two of us, we can kind of do like more of a pastiche instead of going from each movie. Um, but basically, Fievel goes west. Or Fievel goes west. I did it again. Um, <laughs> an American Tale is about um, a group of Jewish mice who come to America and get lost. One of them gets lost, Fievel. And it has like some of the worst songs. And that's why I actually picked it was because I remember even as a kid, I was like um, specifically the song that like won a bunch of awards and shit is called Somewhere Out There. And it's like one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my entire life. It's sung by children who can't sing. It's just a mess. I'm curious what you thought. Um, It was like the songs were bad but the movie was cute this is a weird description but it kind of did you ever read that like graphic novel about the holocaust called mouse yes okay this <laughs> reminded me of like mouse but less like horrifyingly terrible crossed with west side story and a dash of another movie i can't figure out you know what i mean yes no i know exactly what you mean um and what's interesting when you mentioned west side story is steven spielberg was involved in this and um can't remember if he said this or one of the critics said that um this is a more Jewish movie for him than um Schindler's List. <laughs> like they're like <laughs> this is more like, you know, you can feel more of Steven Spielberg dealing with his like Jewish heritage way more in this little mouse movie. Um but yeah, this was one of those movies that like did not stand up the test of time, but I remember being so big as a kid. Um, and maybe one day we'll do a sequel to this and uh, talk about Five Goes West because Five Goes West is basically where they went. Okay, sure. The first movie was trying to be like something. The second movie, they're going and it's a Western now. Don't worry about it. It's so strange. That. Did you know that Uh-oh. there's a third and fourth American I Hill? did, but they're like not done by the same people. I should probably, maybe we'll do a whole series. <laughs> I don't think I liked the first one enough to watch all four, but I might watch Five of Those West. Yes, Here's but the thing. you know what would happen? You'd get that what? little thing on your letterbox where it said that you watched the entire oh, series. Oh, the collection. True. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Here's my problem. <laughs> I I feel like Don Bluth is like very underrated when it comes to animation. Um, and I love Anastasia. And the whole time I was watching an American Table Tale, I was like. I could be watching Anastasia right now instead, and I would have been having a better time because that movie I think is Don Bliss' masterpiece. I also and it has better songs. That, yeah, um, <laughs> I also forgot that Anastasia is a film. Um, <laughs> I like, love Anastasia. Oh no, it's I love so Anastasia underrated. too. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. do like a Don Bluth series because there's so many that I haven't watched. Um, yeah. Like I'm going through now, and it's like I never watched Titan AE. I never watched Thumbelina. I never watched Rockadoodle. I probably did. You know, uh, Alina, you wrote in the group chat during this and you were like, oh, um, <laughs> I think I may have seen this, but I just don't remember. And I feel like yeah. that's like the entirety of Don Blue's oeuvre is like, did I watch this? Maybe. Um, yeah, like I'm like, pretty sure I've seen All Dogs Go to Heaven, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember crying through All Dogs Go to Heaven, so I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. Same with Land Before Time. Um, Ginny Nicholson did this series where she watched through all the Land Before Times, 
And it was such a weird thing for me because she gets to like the fourth or fifth one. And I'm like, oh, I watched this one too. And I was like, how many of these did I watch? (laughs) When I was in school, teachers would always put on land before time whenever like other kids went on like skiing trips or whatever. And we were like the losers that didn't go on the ski trips. I was not paying money to go skiing. Thank you very much. I was happily staying at school doing crafts and watching land before time. But that's how I saw all of them. Or, like, kids that, like, show up on snow days and, like, because your parents drive you because they're like, you can't miss school even if it's a snow day. And then you're one of only four kids because everyone else stayed home. I also watched a lot of Land Before Times in scenarios like that. Yeah, no. um, The other thing that's funny about Don Bluth is, like, my – like, probably one of my stronger experiences with him was – I I don't know if people will even know these, but the Dragon Slayer games – um, basically were like these choose your own adventure games, but they were impossible to win. Um, you were playing as this guy. Um, let me look up his name. It was Dick Daring. Um, and <laughs> you try to was save- Dick. <laughs> yeah, it's Dick the Daring. And you try to save these like princesses and, um, it, from a dragon. It's very silly, but I remember that it's near impossible to win. So, like, I'm sure now I could play and probably beat it. Um, I think it's even on, like, PlayStation, um, like, you know, the free PlayStation games or whatever that I can go play it. But I remember that I would spend, like, hours and hours trying to beat this game. And I was like, I can't do it. And that's a strong childhood memory for me. Um, But, yeah, uh, overall, like, An American Tale, I think, is, like, a really fun kind of... um, movie for kids um but i don't think it's like a particularly like good movie um yeah. fievel is just so cute he i is. think that really and it's surprising that he hasn't lasted you know how like tweety bird like no one actually watches tweety bird animated sh- stuff but like her character lived on i'm surprised that fievel hasn't done that like you don't see kids with like you know retro fievel t-shirts or you know something like weird. that you know it's what? weird when I went to Universal Studios when I was, like, 15, there's an American Tale-inspired, like, children's playground there, and I have no idea why. Like, it's just such a weird movie to base a children's playground on. Like, I'm aware it's a children's movie, but why? And also, why was it at Universal Studios? And why was it at Universal Studios in, like, the year of our Lord, 2012. It's weird. It's really weird, isn't it? Because there were three sequels, Alina. I guess, but I was like, I was walking around the playground. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie. This is weird. It was just so it's a funny. bizarre thing to make a like a, a theme park thing out of, you know? Because it's yeah. a, this movie is about a little mouse getting separated by his family on the way to America. He's a little immigrant mouse. Let's make a playground out of it. It's weird. I mean. But we all know that the whole thing is that it's rival goes west. I mean, I like <laughs> I don't remember the playground enough. I wonder if it's still there. Um, I would hope so. Florida people, tell us if Fievel's playground is still in <laughs> Universal Studios Orlando. I would like to know. I haven't been back. <laughs> Some the sequel, uh, the sequel synopsis is sometimes after the Mouskowitz have settled in America. They find that they are still having problems with the threat of cats. They, <laughs> that makes them eager to try another home out west, where they are promised that mice and cats live together in peace. Unfortunately, this one, 
Uh, the one making this claim is an oily con artist named Cat R. Wall, who is intent <laughs> on his own sinister plan. <laughs> okay, that was another weird thing about An American Tale. The cats were getting so much hate, and I was like, this is rude. My cat would never. He's friends with mice, as you know. I mean, is oh he God. friends with mice? <laughs> he didn't kill them. I think that's a good What's sign. up with 502? How's he doing? Oh, my God. Like... Okay, so Doug was away at my parents' house for the last two weeks. Um, He was on vacation, and I didn't have any mice issues. So I'm hoping that the mice are actually gone. But my worry is now that Doug's back, he's going to catch them again. I just wasn't hearing them when I was sleeping. If I get another mouse, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Just put him in a little cowboy hat, and it'll be fine. Um, They're so gross, though. They're so stinky. (laughs) So funny. Like, the one oh. that I caught in a Tupperware all day, and I, like, kept it in there so I could, like, get rid of him, like, seven kilometers away from my house. He fucking stunk that box up. Like, Samson, next time you come back, I'm just going to kill you because you were too stinky to deal with. I'm just kidding. I would never. <laughs> That's my brain problem. There's so many mice, but I don't want to hurt them. But they're gross. So, so good. Um, really a vegan moral struggle over here. Uh, Speaking of... <laughs> Speaking of moral struggles, let's talk about the point, um, <laughs> which um, there's a there's a special thing about the point. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but the point is based on a series of Harry Nielsen songs, um, which I need to get the vinyl for. That's like an important vinyl for me to get, because um, amongst all the songs that fuck. This entire album fucks. I know, Alina, you said one does, and the song we'll talk about in just a second. But this entire album is like, oh, yeah, totally into it. Um, Loved it as a kid. Love it today. But um, it's the story of Olio. um, And I'll just read the uh, letterboxed. Years ago, there was a place called the Land of Point, because everything in the Land of Point had one. The barns, the houses, the cars, everything, even the people. Everyone in the land of point point had a point on the top of their heads. Everyone that is except for Olio, who was born round headed. Since he had no point, Oblio with his trusty dog was banished to the pointless forest. Join them to see what wonders await these two intrepid travelers, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? The point is that dog um, is based on a song from the Harry Nielsen. And his name is Arrow, which is why my dog is Arrow. Um, because when I was a kid, I listened to the song Me and My Arrow about how great it is to have a dog named Arrow. And I was like, fuck it. I'm getting that dog. And now I have one named Arrow. And he's actually a lot worse of a dog than I was expecting. I was really expecting a buddy and he's very much on his, he's a loner, but I do love Arrow. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I, I like, I now have Bo and it's like a different joke, but like originally it was supposed to be Bo and Arrow. Uh, my dad for a while fought to name him Olio. And I was like, that makes no sense because Olio. You're Olio. Is the owner of Air. Yeah, I'm the Olio. If anything, <laughs> I need to change my name. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this one's so weird. It's uh, basically just uh, Ringo Starr reading out some like very weird small story. While they just play through a Harry Nielsen album and kind of attach us story to it i'm curious what you thought alina it's a very it was, 70s i thought it was weird i feel like it was something that i would have liked more as a kid um i thought it was cute 
but also I thought it was really creepy because the animation here, it's just weird and it's creepy. There was like, Oblio gets like banished because he doesn't have a point, right? And then he's like bopping through the pointless forest and there's so many creepy fucking guys in the pointless forest. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I, I just, as you know, I struggle with ugly animation. I struggle with creepy animation. I'm like, why am I not looking at hot people right now? This is rude. Um, I don't. My like, favorite part about that is like things. Whenever we uh, choose horror movies, which our horror section is coming up um, starting next week. Um, yeah, we're starting the road to Halloween very early this year. But um, <laughs> Lena was like, "Please, no faces," and I was like, "Okay, I can do that." Um, which I think I failed you, but I think we may be okay. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, the point is, like, super cute. Um, I definitely think it's, like, a worth a watch once. Carson Mm -hmm. recommends being high. Um, I think you can do it sober, but, uh. I don't think you need to be high for it. Yeah, no, it's, it's super cute, and it's only 74 minutes. Um, and if you're a Beatles fan, it has Ringo Starr, but... Um, if you're looking for a little more Beatles, but a little less Ringo Starr, you'll understand that in a second. Um, there is Yellow Submarine, which also has super Very creepy, creepy people. people. Oh um, my God. I didn't rewatch <laughs> this because of the creepy blue meanies. I hate them. They're so scary. The Literally traumatizing. Blue, <laughs> the blue meanies are very hot. Um, they're the basis Ooh. of... <laughs> they just are. Um, they're the basis of him from, uh, the Powerpuff Girls. Which is also very creepy. Which is very creepy. But there's something about them that as a kid, I was just like, yep. Not like sexually, but like, I was so into the Blue Meanies. Um, especially whenever he talks to Glove. Basically, he's just this guy with like the highest pitch voice you've ever heard. And he's like, hi, Glove. Yeah, it's. Um, so scary. Yeah. I think it's so lovey, creepy. Lovey. I loved it as a kid. Um, but what's really fun is, so um, this was one of the first movies that I saw that was like a classic that I got to see in theaters um, because my dad can't read. Um, so anyway, there was this invitation only event um, to, to see Yellow Submarine in theaters. And we went. And it was like with the Dallas Morning News, and they were like, "You're definitely not invited." My dad was like, "My son," <laughs> which <laughs> I should ask my dad someday. I remember that being the story, but there is also a version where my dad 100% knew that he was not supposed to be there and used me as a crutch. Um, both <laughs> stories sound 100% realistic for my dad, but I remember watching it and being like, "Whoa, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my entire life." But I think what's really cool about Yellow Submarine. Outside of the fact that it is a real bummer to find out that the Beatles aren't actually voicing them, um, which is just such a weird thing. Because as a kid, I was like, yeah, those are the Beatles. And then someone told me, and I was like, what? No. Because I think I would say that this version of the Beatles is a lot of people's entry into the Beatles, like the personas of the Beatles. Um, So it's such a weird thing to imagine like, oh, you're listening to like Paul and George and john and ringo and it's like no that's not them it's just some actors pretending to be them and really they had little to do with this movie um which is sad because it's so great um but yeah it also has a bunch of songs that i thought were like <laughs> if i'm 100 percent honest thought were made for the movie when i was a kid 
And then I found out, like, no, Nowhere Man is just a song that they had, which is so weird. And then it's weirder retroactively to be like, oh, no, Nowhere Man, they just created this character and we're like, we'll call it No More Man. (laughs) Beatles are fucking weird dudes. Like, even if they weren't involved in this heavily, it just really gives off that the Beatles are weird dudes vibes. And we know they're weird dudes because we watched Help earlier in this series. And I watched A Hard Day's Night recently. They're fucking weird. They're so I'm weird. I'm shocked that they weren't involved in this much. Uh, I think it was after the the big breakup or like we were uh, getting close to it. I see. Uh, that makes sense then. Yeah. I do but like, like it. I would just wish the Blue Meanies were slightly less creepy. Because I don't think no. I can ever watch this again. I want to show this to my children, but I can't be in the room for it. Just be, I mean, here's the thing. Just realize that the blue meanies are ultimately no, hot. They're so, no, honestly, it's not even like the design of them. I don't like the high-pitched voice. I think the high-pitched voice is so scary. That's also why I don't like that old man character on Family Guy. <laughs> it's just, I don't like that a high-pitched voice in a man is so scary to me. Hi, Alina. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> also, I'm really impressed. I have not practiced that. And I'm like, oh, it works. <laughs> I hate it. It's, it's close so enough. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a fun movie, though. I feel like uh, Yellow Submarine is a better one to be high for than The Point. Yes. Though they're both great and both feel similar. Um, yeah. Like, actually, like, if you were looking for a fun double feature, would be so good true um these two together um but yeah it's great um i think if you're looking for like a standout scene um eleanor rigby is gorgeous how it's done is just so cool um and also um every one of your dads probably got their entire personality from this movie like there's so many like men in their 50s and 60s that you're just like yep you just love the beatles specifically from yellow submarine there were some really good jokes in here. Oh, I, yeah. I, re- I always remember the... I don't remember what they're referring to, but, like, they just say, like, oh, we can't get in here. It's Beatle-proof. I'm like, nothing's Beatle-proof. I don't remember what they're referring to, but that <laughs> line has always stuck in my head since I watched it. I it's think I watched so it last year for the first time. Yeah, you did. I'm looking yeah. at your review yeah. right now. Oh, no, I watched it in No, 2019 dvd i think my sister bought this on dvd and we watched it together you know what's funny you actually put in your review john break the glass george we can't paul it's beetle proof john nothing is beetle proof (laughs) i guess i really liked it um i also just really like the little i like the design of the beetles here i think they look adorable yeah no it's and that's what i mean like what i'm talking about like this is how most people know them is like from this little movie, um, which is so funny because it's like, I also don't think we've ever had something like imagine one direction. It's like Harry Styles wasn't involved, <laughs> but they just made a movie about him. Wait, did you ever see that like YouTube animated YouTube series? There was like a somebody like made a fan like one direction animation thing. Wait, no, was- that's insane. Okay, I'll send it to you. I'll find it. It's It was called The Adventurous Adventures of One Direction. There's two episodes. Wait, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, the, that's one of my favorite things about um, Euphoria. I was mm-hmm. really high one night. And um, <laughs> I was like, am I making this up? She's like having an... There's a 
episode where like they have uh they talk about Harry Styles uh fan fiction and I was like what is happening and it's like animated and I was like Mm-mm, I need to turn this off I'm not <laughs> not in that space <laughs> to, to take this in um, that was such a weird part of Euphoria. Okay, I just sent it to our Clapper Cast group chat. The Adventurous Adventures of One Direction. That's the first one. There's a second one. It was that's amazing. It was honestly a cultural reset for the One Direction fandom. So we'll move into the new releases. Um, Alina is going to take it away with Beast because I'm seeing it next Monday. Um, friend of the podcast, Chris, has been out of town. And I said, what movie do you want to see when you get back? And he said, Beast. And I was not watching this film twice. You could not pay me. So <laughs> I skipped. So tell us a little yeah. bit about Beast. Salad. I thought it was okay. Um, no one knows what this movie is. So like, you got to like preface and explain what I'm, this fucking I'm, film I'm, is. Go, I'm getting into it. I'm just starting off with, I thought it was okay. Okay. So it, Beast, it's about... Idris Elba and his two daughters, um, they go to South Africa to visit their mother's village because their mother and like Idris Elba's wife in the film had recently passed away. Um, so like Idris Elba is like, maybe this will help my children with their grieving and whatever. Um, and they get to the mother's, the dead mother's village, and they meet Charlotte Copley, who is very hot, by the way. Um, and Charlotte Copley is like, um, uh, like this guy who is, oh my god, like a park ranger. Uh, you know how like in Africa and stuff they have like all these like big reserves for the safari animals and whatever, and it's like these animals are all protected in this place. I think they're just yes. called game reserves. Yes. He works at one of those. Um, and then so he takes, Charles Copley takes Idris Elba and his two daughters, because they used to be friends back in the day, um, on a little safari. And while they're on safari, they come across this village of, like, all these poor, slaughtered little uh, Africans that like probably were her mother their mother's village i th- they don't like i don't think they like expressly say that but i'm pretty sure all these people in their mother's village gets killed and they're like oh my god what killed all these poor people and it's a fucking lion and then the rest of the movie is uh idris elba charlotte copley and the two girls getting attacked by a fucking lion and they gotta escape a lion and that's the entire movie sorry spoilers <laughs> But that's I mean, the entire that's a- movie. It's very obvious, phrase from the trailer. They try and do like s- more stuff with it, like that subplot with the the dead mother, like prior Idris Elba and the mother like separated before she got like cancer and died. Um, and Idris Elba's character is like a doctor, so he like blames himself for like not catching the cancer and blah blah. blah. Um. I just think that this is a very difficult concept to make a feature-length film out of. and But the other thing was there was a lot like more interesting things in the subplots than in the main plot, specifically with Charlotte Copley's character. Because there are points throughout the film where you see like poachers 
killing the lions and stuff because apparently now that like um elephants and rhinos and whatever are going extinct poachers are turning to lions and stuff and selling that for like east asian chinese medicine kind of like they did to tigers i don't know if that's a thing in real life now but that's what the movie's implying lions are the big poaching target now and charlotte copie's character is like implied to be an anti-poacher and there's a point when leah jeffries who plays one of idris elba's daughters in the film talks about how she read an article about how anti-poachers would go and like murder actual poachers i'm like that could have been a more fun movie charlotte copley killing poachers i would have liked to watch that not this poor lion attacking all these people because here's the thing with all these like beast man versus nature movies i just feel bad for the animal the poor lion got his whole family killed by poachers of course he wants to kill humans let him uh we are doing an animal attack special um, during oh the God. Halloween, and Alina is going to lose her mind with one of the films. Is it arachnophobia? Uh, no. I'm talking about if this is upsetting you on this one. <laughs> because okay. as a kid, I was like, fuck this. But like, also, oh. it's a great film. Okay. Um, I just felt really bad so for good. the lion. Anyway. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that, totally. That's, that's um, beast. Wait. So, okay. Hear- I haven't. Here, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, were you about to say uh, the daughter was, thing about? Uh, yeah, I was going to bring up the nepotism. <laughs> That's literally what I was about to ask. Okay, <laughs> go. So, um, yeah. So Idris Elba apparently, like his daughter, tried to get cast in this movie, and they were like, "You guys don't have good chemistry." <laughs> and she didn't talk to him for three weeks. Um, I thought that was so funny. Like, I feel bad for her, but it's really funny. I know. It's also so funny because, like, it's such a middling movie. Mm-hmm. I really think that, like, they all thought that this was going to be, like, way bigger than it was. But honestly, I think if the writing had been better, it could have been a better movie. Like, it's just whatever. Um, Have you seen Crawl? No. Is that the alligator Crawl? one? Yeah. Crawl is fantastic. I almost put Crawl on the... um halloween thing but i feel like it's too recent to be like a throwback um and also carson seen it so like Um. whenever i choose movies for our like uh our specials i try to choose movies that carson hasn't seen specifically carson's listening so uh since he's editing this episode no i think it's funny because like for some reason when carson watches a movie uh (laughs) i feel like he's like yeah whatever about the movie um, and so I'm always really scared of putting Carson. Like, even if he's like really strongly about it in his review, he's like, meh. Um, and that's my truth. <laughs> um, so I always avoid it specifically if I see Carson seen it. Mm. Um, which is why I didn't put Ambrosian originally until I was like, wait a second, he's not listed on this huge list of people. Um, so I was very excited about it. Nice. But um, yeah, so uh, only one movie. Um, it's called Brotherhood of the Wolf. I know Carson has seen, um, but I really want to talk about it because I think it's fantastic and people don't talk about it enough. Um, so anyway, um, was there anything else we want to talk about? No, I feel like that's it for Beast. Beast does not have a lot to it. You'll find out shortly. 
Um, cool. So what does have a lot to it um, is the second season of Only Murders in the Building. We talked about the original season um, on probably our biggest episode ever because we shoved it in with this little TV show that I was like, guys, you'll love it. Um, and that was Squid Game. <laughs> I still have never Which, watched uh, Squid Game. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny because like um, Carson had not uh, Carson watched it in English and you didn't watch it. <laughs> like, that's our like, I mean, it did numbers. That's so it's so crazy. funny, but it also had only murders. So only murders. Um, season one was great. Season two started. I wasn't as into it. And then it quickly became, I think, far better than the first season. I'm curious what you think. But like, in terms of the mystery, I was like, gagged the entire time. Um, like there were so many, like I knew who the killer was in season one and I don't want to get into spoilers for either season because I think you should watch it. And I think finding out who a killer is ruins the entire show. But I think in season two, um, I knew some aspects, but I didn't know all of it. And I'm curious what you thought. Um, I feel like I'm, I mostly agree with you. I feel like the second season of Only Murders in the Building didn't start off as strong as the first season, but it gets, like, better over time. Um, I feel like my main issue with this was I watched it weekly, like a normal person, and with our first season, we got to binge it, and... I kind of was sitting there the entire time and I was like, I wish I could binge this. I feel like this just feels like a binge and they wouldn't let us. 1000% agree. Um, that was a really heartrending moment for me was that mm-hmm. we had to watch these like plebeians week to week. Because um, here's the thing. I had to watch it weekly and then I'd forget shit that happened and the recaps were not enough. I was like, so I was like, you figured out the killer. I did not because I was like, I can't remember a lot of what's happening in the show because I watched it a week ago and I watched a million things in between. So thank God for television recaps, right? I had fun though. It was a cute season. The Mar- Steve yeah. Martin and Martin Short, the Martins were fantastic. Selena Gomez was fantastic. And I liked the side characters here. Didn't like Cara Delevingne yeah. though, fuck her. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Um, overall, I think Kara uh, was able to pull it together. Um, also, Amy Schumer coming in with my favorite line of the season, unfortunately. And it was, I mean, it's a Steve Martin, Martin Short line, so it's not her that did it. But my Sting's apartment, like, had me on the floor. And I don't know why. I think it's just because they'd set up so many times. It's Sting's apartment, Sting's apartment, and then... She also called it My Sting's Apartment. Killed me. Um, there's so many things in the show that I are like, I forgot Amy you know, Schumer was in it. Yeah, I know. It's also weird that she... with this weekly thing. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hulu, please give us screeners again. Um, I was very upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, although I didn't have the overall, like, gut-rending thing. Um, if you listen to that episode, we watched the first eight episodes, we binged them and we didn't know two more were coming and the show like was not finished, obviously. So like we were like, was episode eight really disappointing? 
And then I think Carson was like, no, there's two more coming. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, that was the worst finale I've ever seen. He's like, that's not a finale. There's two more. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I'm i very excited about season three. I think Selena will get nominated this year. I think last year, like she, uh, this, people talk about snubs a lot when they talk about like the Emmys or the Oscars or anything. And I think a lot of times snub just means an actor didn't get in and you're sad about it, which is not what that the case is. Um, I think Selena did get snubbed because she is a like singer who acts now. And I think this season definitely pushed her into as an actress. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think she's now going to be an actress who sings kind of. Um, because this was like a huge, I mean, this was so good. There's so many great moments in this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a moment um, uh, towards the end of the season where um, they have Martin Short and Steve Martin doing slow-mo for a very silly joke. <laughs> and it's so funny because you watch Selena, who is, would it be a hundred percent game to do it? but playing a character who isn't and still trying to do it. And that level of like acting is so good because you can feel her being like, I'll do it because they're asking me to, but I really would rather not. So clever. Um, But yeah, only murder season two was fantastic. Uh, The other, you know, uh, the big show that came out, Alina, I don't think you've watched it yet. House of the Dragon. Um, I don't want to watch it is the thing. (sighs) Here's the thing. I thought I didn't either. And I only watched it for the podcast. Um, They pulled me right back in. Damn (laughs) it. So annoyed. (laughs) I like watched it and I was like, I was like, because. yeah, I it feel feels like, like old Game of Thrones. It's so oh good. no, no, <laughs> god damn it! I I feel like most people were so disappointed by the last season of Game of Thrones, and I was like, I don't want to watch any more of this shit. Everybody in House of the Dragon looks so ugly and inbred. I don't want to watch them every week, and now everybody's telling me that House of the Dragon is so good, and I'm like, damn it, I don't want to be left out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it really feels like. Uh, they had me in the first half, or like they pulled me right back in. Like any it's of those when you think like, you're out, they pull you right back <laughs> in. Okay, I'll watch it tomorrow because I really have to it's watch. So fun. Uh, <sighs> no, and um, HBO, if you'd like to give us the first six episodes they gave everyone else, please feel free to do so. Um, Maybe I'd actually yeah, watch no, it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh my god, I would so binge it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's so good, and like, um, you can feel like that it's set up one of the things one of my um one of my editors said the other day about it actually was really clever he was saying it feels like a new show but you're starting in season two because you've already done the base work of um game of thrones you know the world you know the characters you know where it's supposed to go but you don't know this so it's like it's a new version of like things that you're familiar with. It all feels comfortable to you, but it's new, um, which is like a hundred percent true, um, which I think is really cool about it. Um, Cause you don't have to learn like who the fuck are the Targaryens and why do they care about dragons? They're just like, we know that. So, um, but yeah, um, 
it's it's pretty great. Um, we'll 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 check in when the season's done, but uh, and see if it stays great. But yeah, um, I think uh, that wraps up the episode. Um, so as we always do, um, Alina, do you have any recommendations? Remember how we said that we were going to start doing that at the beginning of the episode, and then we never. Well, do I did. We I tracked. <laughs> no, but I did. I did my recommendation. Um, but yeah, I forgot yours. That's why I, I did it for mm, you. I'd already said my mind's Peter Greenway. Uh oh, oh. On Thursday, I went to the Bytown Cinema because they've been playing so much old movies lately. And I, I don't know how to say this man's name. I watched the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie, and it was my first Louis, whatever his name is, movie. We boon well. Yes, it was so fun, but I didn't understand it. <laughs> no, uh, so um, I had a, had a I recommend I had a satire professor who has given me my entire personality. I'm not I'm not joking. <laughs> like um, we're gonna do a play series, a play adaptation series, and we're gonna talk about Angels in America. I will blatantly be quoting that man. We'll, we're gonna talk about Cook Thief Wife Lover. Blatantly quoting that man, um, and one of those was Discreet Charms of the Bourgeoisie. Um, and he went through and paused at every single skit within the movie and was like, here's what this means. And here's the cultural and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, wow, you are so smart. Please. Like, I wish I could have a quarter of your knowledge. Um, his name's Steven Geller. He, um, you should ask him to be on the podcast. I bet he would. But like he is, he's, he's gonna well, think actually, we're morons. Yeah, like we would have to like research the fuck. Maybe if we do a satire special, I'll have him on. Um, this man is so smart. He actually was nominated for an Oscar. Wow. Um, he, uh, yeah, he was best friends with like fucking Kurt Vonnegut, and so Kurt was like, "Hey, do you want to do the uh, adaptation of um, Slaughterhouse Five? And he was like, "Yes, I do." And so he did that. Um, he was like hanging out with Gore Vidal in Italy for a couple of years. This man was incredible. That's literally I just was like, I want that personality. Thank you. Yoink. Um, and so like when I talk about a lot of things, when I get passionate, it's literally I'm quoting him sometimes. Um, I love but that. yeah, we should. Oh, we should do that. Um, I'll see if he wants to uh stay tuned he'll probably say no uh, he'll listen to one episode and be like oh you're dumb now uh it's because he hang out with carson and i so much we're dumb i was no. watching i was watching dcb and i was like i'm having a good time with this but i have no idea what any of this means and i feel so fucking stupid yeah but- no i i remember <laughs> Um, like when I watched, I was like, what is this? Every scene would happen. I'd be like, what is this? And he'd be like, this is what it was. And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, and this is how it relates to like the bourgeoisie and like, you know, capitalism and And you're like, oh yeah. My favorite part was the part with the soldiers. That was hilarious. Oh my God. So good. good. Um, yeah. Great film. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll close out. Alina, where can we find you? I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And also join our Patreon because we really want to go to WrestleMania next year in Los Angeles. <laughs> I um, do. I'll bully Paul and Carson into going. 
I will go because it's in Los Angeles and I'm here. Um, at and I'm at Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And Carson Tamar is BP underscore Movie Reviews on Twitter and Carson Tamar on Letterboxd. Don't follow him though; he's really bad at it. Um, <laughs> and next week we'll be back with Carson. I apologize. Um, and that's it. All right. Thanks, guys.